ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I'm with Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman with Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 106 in our series. Tonight's topic will be selling books at conferences as an exhibitor. And our special guest will be Tyler Tischler, along with myself, and we'll be hosting a kind of roundtable, free-flowing discussion when uh, Irene will moderate for us. You can learn more about all of our guests on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear your questions and comments about tonight's show. Please send them to info at authorsaccess.com. And this is a real pleasure for me to be able to introduce both Victor and Tyler. They've co-hosted with me on Authors Access many times for the last couple of years. And this time is a pleasure for me to introduce them because they are our guests. Victor R. Volkman is the owner of Loving Healing Press, whose mission is to redefining what is possible for the healing mind and spirit. And his press has produced more than 100 titles since his first book, off the press in 2004. He also manages the other imprints, including Modern History Press, which tells empowering stories of conflict and the struggle for identity in the modern times. Modern History Press features multicultural writers as well as those of veterans and others who have difficulty finding their place in the world. His latest venture is Recovering the Self, the Journal of Hope and Healing, which is a quarterly anthology of writings about abuse, recovery, addiction, grief, trauma, and personal growth issues. And Tyler R. Tischler is the owner of Marquette Fiction, which has produced five books of regional fiction spanning 150 years on the shores of Lake Superior in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. He is also the owner of Superior Book Promotion, a full-service editorial shop which provides proofreading, editing, and manuscript affiliation. Tyler has a Ph.D. in literature and has taught at three universities. Welcome, Victor and Tyler. Well, hello. Thank you, Irene. As I said before, and this is a real pleasure for me, and so let's uh, just get right into this. The title of tonight's topic is Selling Books at Conferences as an Exhibitor, but I think that we'll probably be going into other areas, too, not only conferences, but fairs, trade shows, markets, craft shows, and so on. And I just want to get right down into it. Maybe, Victor, you can first tell us what your experience is and what areas that you mostly exhibit at. Sure, that's a great place to start. Since our books are kind of deal with a lot of self-help issues, we've done a number of regional conferences for social workers and psychologists and I've also done the local book fairs. We have a number of them here in Ann Arbor, the Ann Arbor Book Fair, Carytown uh, Book Festival. And I've also done some library-sponsored events that feature local authors. And so and I've done them locally, and I've also driven eight hours one way to an event. So I feel like I've done a little bit of everything. And I think you've also, if I recall, have done this internationally, too. Quite right. I, I have forgotten, um, as part of my wife's group, the Traumatic Incident Reduction Association, they do conferences in Canada and the UK. So, yeah, I've, I've uh, traveled uh, uh, with books in suitcases to Italy even and uh, the UK and Canada. <laughs> That's a challenge. 
And I, later on, I'd like to talk about that because I'm sure that, that it's different to exhibit in those countries than it is here in the United States. Tyler, where does most of your experience fall into? Well, I I stay close to home, literally. Um, the two shows that I go to every year absolutely and I do the best at are both about three blocks from my house. One is the TV6 Christmas craft show held at the Superior Dome in Marquette. And they usually have a couple hundred different vendors there. And, oh, I don't know how many thousands of people come through each uh, each uh, each year at Christmas time. And the other one I go to is an art and craft show um, held right on the Shore Lakes Superior, the Outback Art Show, which is a sort of a sister show to Art on the Rocks, which is one of the biggest Midwest art shows in the country. And then just different uh, different smaller shows all over um, Upper Michigan. I go everywhere from you know little things like book signings and bookstores to um, other holiday shows, Christmas shows. Um, big tent signings at bookstores where they might invite, you know, a host of different uh, authors from throughout the area to attend. So really a a variety, but mostly local shows and, um, you know, some specifically for books and some that are everything from books to pottery to, you know, different kinds of arts and crafts. So basically what I'm hearing you say is you're, you're regional and you actually do write regional fiction. And so I would imagine because of that, you are successful because, as you say, you know, you go to these places that are just a few blocks from you or within the same area. And do you find that one is more successful for you than the other, let's say, you know, the holiday craft show compared to a, an art show? Yeah, it depends on um, the location of the show. The time of year and who the or who the uh, the visitors to the show are really um, Christmas, of course, is the is the time when books just generally sell the best. Whether you're writing local books or whatever, I think so. The the Christmas shows I always do very well at um, the summer show, the the uh, Outback Art Show I do very well at, and largely I think because a lot of tourists are in the area and they're interested in local history and my books are local history. So um, they they come up planning to buy pottery or planning to buy um, clothes or or different things that are locally made and they find the books and they they buy them. Now I've gone to other shows where I haven't done well. For example, um, we have a Renaissance um, festival here and People, they come to that show, I don't think they're looking for books. They're looking for something that's more of a a cultural experience, something that's maybe more of an active experience than just looking at at, um, sales items. And so that place I have not returned to as a result. Have you ever been to uh, Farmer's Market? Um, I have not myself, but I have heard other people say that Farmer's Markets are good. Well, I I just want to share an experience that I had. This was... um, we I, we go to uh, farmers market regularly here, and I noticed one time when I was there that there was a, a table set up with books. And so I just sat. They also had music, so I sat there on a chair for about half an hour, just watching to see what was happening. And what really I came away from that, knowing that the people are there on a mission to buy vegetables, meat, eggs, whatever farm produce, and there was very, very, very little action going on at the book. 
table. And so I just wondered if it was just maybe, you know, although I don't know. I don't know. That's why I wondered if you had any. Yeah, I, that doesn't surprise me. I, I think that people go there with a specific um, purpose mm-hmm. in mind. Now, I have done um, just general book signings at like coffee shops, and people are going there to get coffee, but... You know, they, they, they also sit and they want something to read while they have their coffee. So they seem to be more willing to, you know, to, to realize that, oh, there's books there and then they'll, they'll buy those as well. So it, it just kind of depends on the person and what their purpose is and, you know, what the general, the, the purpose of the sale itself is. So you're coming from the author's standpoint as so author. Now, Victor, you're a publisher. So when you go to these conferences or fairs or exhibits, you are taking more than one title. You are taking many titles, 20 titles or whatever. So what is what is the difference between something that you do as a publisher representing a number of books as to the sole author with one or two books? Right. That's a, that's a very uh, key point. Uh, usually when I set up, I'll have at least three six-foot tables and... You know, I'll have wire racks full of books, too, and it's like I try and give them a complete bookstore experience. And I know it's a lot different if you're just on your first or second book. And I have seen uh, a really interesting approach, which I actually copied uh, when I was, you know, just starting out with a small selection of books. And that's when I was using more of a New Age focus, and I was doing a lot of uh, New Age and and mind-body-spirit shows because I figured, you know, well, these people are... Are open to new ideas, and we were. Our booth was right across the aisle from another woman who had a booth, an equivalent booth, and she had really just the one book. But she had her tables were full of all kinds of interesting things for people to pick up, shiny earrings and uh, and crafty things that were, you know, sort of related, sort of spiritually or peripherally to her book. And that's where I got the idea of of adding things. That would make people stop and not just see, oh, here's a book. I'm not looking for a book. I'll just keep going. In service of that, I ended up uh, buying a lot of uh, crystals wholesale, you know, because people like to to look at crystals. And I laid those out in front of the books, sort of in between each book, as it were. So, you know, I never did much more than break even on crystals, but it's people down. And then I could, you know, make a, a special offer, you know, buy two books, get a free crystal that that kind of thing. So as a uh, as a one book author, you have to uh, you have to have good materials, of course. But you want to throw something in your booth that that gives people an extra impulse to stop. You know that's such a good point. And as human beings, where most of us need some type of a sensation, and this is why you know when uh, we pick up books and we look at the co- at the cover and. We, uh, we touch the book, we feel, or if somebody gives us a business card, we, we immediately rub it, and it depends on what the texture is. It's no different with what you're saying. You have crystals. People will stop because they may not stop and look at the book, but they'll look at the crystal, and, of course, the eye then will go to the book. That's a really good point. Are there any other things that you use besides crystals? Oh, yeah. Well, I had some, you know, these musical uh, Tibetan uh, bell kind of things that you on the end of a chord where you ring them together, and people really, their ears prick up uh, when they hear that, and then it's something that you can demo and they can get their hands into it. 
so that's that's good for uh, for curb appeal. I also use a lot of like little spotlights, for lack of a better word. You can buy these little sort of clamp-on lights at IKEA or some of the major uh, stores, and I always always have large uh, posters of the book covers, and that'll bring people in from 30, 40 feet away. If you've got a really nice book cover and it's appealing, they'll they'll just sort of creep in closer to see what it's about. And I always have uh, you know one of these clamp spotlights focused. On the poster, which is sitting on top of a uh, a tripod, you know, an art commercial art tripod, so it's very stable. Uh, so that's another kind of trick I use. You uh, said something really key: the curb appeal, and that's important. It's no different, you know, whether you're selling a house or you're selling the books in your on your booth. It's the curb appeal that attracts the potential customer. Yeah, exactly. If, if I can just go on theme a little bit longer. I remember when I was in uh, high school and I was selling something for a church group. And the guy told me, pleasing to the eye and the customer will buy. I mean, that sounds completely silly, but I always keep the books, you know, perfectly lined up so it doesn't look like they're just sort of thrown on the table. So I, you know, go to lengths to, to keep the booth uh, as as neat as possible. Oh, the other thing in, in terms of good curb appeal is getting some really nice professional quality uh, throws to go over the tables. I had some custom made in a color which was complementary to my logo. And I some shows will have tablecloths for you and some of them will require you bring your own. I always bring my own just in case. Uh, so that's a great thing to have. And that's a really good point because this is your store. Whether you're a sole author or whether you're a publisher, you are actually that the presentation that you are giving is a presentation of yourself, and that is really important. And uh, so I'm wondering if um, did you do either both of you? I'd like to present this to both of you. The placement of your booth or table. How important is that? And what is you know, what placement is more appealing than others? Are, are you talking about the location of the, location. the, of the table? Yes. yes. Okay. I, most of the shows that I go to, they have assigned, um, you know, they'll have assigned sections for different people, and you usually get to choose. And so I try to find one close to, like, for example, when I go to the sales at the Superior Dome, I try to find one that's close to an aisle or a corner, just so that you're more visible from across the room. You don't have other people blocking you. And, uh, you know, you, yeah, like at an end of an aisle or right on the corner where people are going to be passing, either way, I, I've found that those are probably the best places. What you don't want to be is, I think, is in the middle between like a row of, of five or ten booths. Where you're kind of You're kind of blocked. And you don't always know until you get there who's going to be next to you, but... You kind of want to avoid being where um, you're kind of set back with people on either side of you that have walls up so that people can't see you from a distance. Victor, is there a specific placement that you prefer to have your booth in? Well, the best location we ever, ever had was in uh, Baltimore at the uh, ICISF conference, which is the International Critical Incident Stress Foundation. And they had a group of uh, massage therapists giving free massages for the attendees. So they would line up, and there'd be like a 10, 15-minute wait for their massage. They're not going to go away. So 
they would look across and see our book table. So they, you know, they'd just be browsing. But most most times we weren't that lucky. If you can be near where there's uh, the the complimentary coffee and so on, if you're at a conference, they often put you in the break room. And if your table is near the coffee pots and the cookies, then you'll get people. Well, unfortunately, they'll have coffee in their hands, so they won't pick up a book. But at least they'll get to see where you're at. And uh, yeah, I agree with Tyler about the uh, uh, positionally uh, within the show floor. Being dead center is never good. You'll find, and sometimes you have to ask, that uh, you may be able to get a corner booth for like 10 or 20 bucks extra, or if you're really nice, they may just give you the corner booth. Now, the corner booth is extremely valuable because it basically gives you about 50% more frontage in terms of the uh, linear feet that are available to the customer. If you think about being on the outside of a box, right, it's still a 10-foot booth, but all of a sudden you've got 10 feet east and west and 10 feet north and south, if you will, because you're on the, the corner of a box. And, and for me, having a lot of products, uh, that's nice. Plus, it gives you a wider exposure. Like Tyler mentioned, if someone has curtain walls next to you, then, you know, that's not good. So that's that's my tip is either ask for or pay for the, the corner booth. It'll be worth it. Victor. As uh, you had mentioned uh, before, you've exhibited in the U.K., Italy, and Canada. What are the differences between the United States exhibiting and exhibiting in those countries? Did you, did you find any difference? Well, I mean, we had the luxury that uh, I was part of the management team that was putting on the conference. So in that sense, I sort of, you know, I could sort of set things up uh, as I wanted to, and I didn't have to to deal with the show management. You really should be cognizant of the local uh, tax laws, especially if you're selling, you know, outside your home state, you're supposed to apply for a temporary sales tax license. You know, I recommend if, if people are going to be at a show, especially uh, for more than one day, that they, you know, do that just to, just to have all their bases covered. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm lucky in the fact that uh, the printing company I use has a office in London, so they were able to print the books in London and ship them out uh, to the conference site for exhibiting in the UK. So I didn't have to carry the books with me all the way from you know Michigan to to London. But uh, when we went to uh, Italy, we had three of us in our party, and we literally packed these suitcases full of three or four suitcases of fifty pounds of books apiece, and. Uh, I mean, one of our members in our party had a really good frequent flyer account, so we were able to get an extra baggage uh, allowance. But uh, if you do end up in a situation, either domestically or internationally, where you're flying, you really have to take uh, extra care uh, with the books because they'll shift around as the luggage gets thrown around and the covers will get destroyed. So when I'm moving books like that, I always uh, put uh, plastic slip covers over the books fairly tightly so that they don't get scuffed. And you can get those at uline.com. Uh, those are some really good points. I wondered how you do take the books overseas like that. So now, uh, have both of you had experience in outdoor shows and indoor shows, or are you mostly indoor? I would say I've probably done an equal number, both. Um, and, uh, well, I, I assume you want to know what the 
what the key differences are yeah, there. Yeah, I do. Yes. Um, when Victor was talking about, I thought of this when Victor was talking about his uh, tablecloths and getting them to be the color to match his, his logo. Um, outdoor shows are just, you have got to be prepared for any kind of weather when you do them. It could be cold, it could be raining, it could be windy. Um, I have found especially that wind is bad because it will blow sand and dust all over your table and that makes your tablecloths look really bad, not to mention your books. So I actually like um, those, I guess they're vinyl tablecloths that they sell. People will buy them, the, just little ones, and uh, they're easy to clean, they're easy to wipe off. And you can usually get them with very uh, different patterns. I have some that have Santa Claus pictures on them and haunted house pictures on them. And they're colorful and they're attractive as well. So I, I think those are a good idea for outdoors. They also are easy to wipe the water off. They don't, um, the water doesn't soak into them like it would with a, ne- a normal cloth, tablecloth. So if it starts to rain, you can uh, clean them off, dry them off later. Um, if you're going to do an outdoor show, you really need to have a tent. Last year I went to a show and it poured rain both days. And fortunately we had a tent. We covered up the books and we just kind of hid in the tent. And people still came out and still looked at the books. It didn't really affect our sales at all. It just was a matter of our, our getting through the dealing with the weather. So there, there's a lot a lot to think of with an outdoor show. And um even indoor shows, it, you know, the weather plays a big factor. If it's here in Upper Michigan, if we have a blizzard, people aren't going to come. It's not going to matter if you were indoors or outdoors. Hey, if we we're in Texas, I'm in Texas, and if there's a blizzard, we don't go anywhere either. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that could mean a rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Victor, do you normally just do inside shows, or do you also do outside? Shows? Yeah, weather is the enemy. There's almost never a good day for books outdoors, as, I, as far as I'm concerned. I've I've seen it all. I've I've been rained on. I was at one was actually a, a yoga based show, and near the end, I mean, a huge wind came up, and I saw this guy next to me. His tent blew away, and my wife was holding on to one leg of our tent, and I was holding on to the other. And you know, thank goodness it didn't. We didn't go off to Kansas, but. Yeah, you can't have too many paperweights if you're going to be exhibiting outdoors. I I've given up on the outdoor shows. I just I simply I simply won't do them because we seem to have at least in this locality a sort of a street fair mentality where if they see a tent and they see something books under it, they think, oh, this must be the the 75 percent off overstock from Borders or something because Borders does uh, tent sale things like that. I mean. If you have a lot of damaged books, I suppose you could do that. But uh, that's, you know, I, I just see people bargain hunting uh, for the most part at, at the outdoor uh, events where I've ended up. And I have to. This is what I've seen too. And like you say, the you know the ends or the, the bargain. And people I have watched people come out of there with bags and bags of books, and of course they can get them fifty cents to a dollar. So I can understand what you're saying. Let's talk about show management. There's always, you know, there's rules, regulations, uh, stipulations, all kinds of things like that. I would like to hear from both of you on your experiences, both Tyler as an author and Victor as a publisher. 
All right. Well, I'll go first on this one. First of all, read the whole contract. It is a contract, and there'll be things there like mandatory times that uh, you have to be on the floor or have your stuff set up. If it's a day-long show, they may want you set up and ready to go by 7.30 in the morning. And you may, you know, if it's a multi-day show, you may have to be there for three days. And uh, they never want you to to tear down early. So that, that'll get you uh, uh, talked about. I can tell you my, uh, my show management horror story, which is uh, a, a new age show. I won't mention uh, who was putting it on, but uh, I had gotten settled in and and the person who was the showrunner was actually a psychic, and she settled into her own booth, and she just did psychic readings all day, and there was no way to uh, request anything or find out about anything. or It was, I, I couldn't believe it, the most <laughs> unprofessional thing I've ever seen. On the other hand, you know, if you treat your show management nicely and don't treat them like they're the hired hands, uh, they'll, they'll do favors for you. And so... It, you, you do have to be nice to them if, if you want to get things done. Yeah, I don't really have much to say other than basically to repeat what Victor said. I, they they uh, are very specific about what hours you can and can't display. I don't. Uh, they don't. Obviously, they don't want you to start closing up shop at four if the show goes until five because that just makes the show look bad and people don't want to. Um, People don't want to come next year after 4 o'clock because they figure the show's over. Um, same thing if you treat the management well, if you're friendly with them and you don't expect them to bend over backwards for you. Usually they'll offer to do things for you. Um, just It's just a matter of being friendly and, and polite, really. And a lot of the shows um, that are more than one day, I've found that it's perfectly fine to leave your things there. They usually have some form of security that watches them. Even ones I've done out of doors, there's usually a security person on site who just spends the night there and roams around the campground and makes sure make sure that nothing is touched. So I've I've never had a, I've never had a book stolen. I've never had anything taken. So I've never had to worry about it. Well, that's good to hear. I'm curious, how do you um, if you're going yourself like the, um, Tyler, you're the author of this this specific books, but how do you manage breaks? I mean, you know, usually these exhibits or fairs go on for, you know, from 10 in the morning till 9 at night or 7 at night, and it's a long day. How do you manage your uh, breaks? Yeah, authors really have a disadvantage over other exhibitors at, at different shows. So yeah, I go to craft shows, and there's somebody next to me who knits mittens, and her 12-year-old son is there helping her out, so he can sell the mittens for her. But authors, they need to be there to sign the books. That's what people want is to be signed. Um, so most of the time, as much as possible, I try to find another author who is willing to share the space with me, and um, then we can take turns, and we usually know enough about each other's books that we can play them up if one of us has to leave. And we sit there for the whole day together. Taking turns is just a matter of, you know, five minutes to go to the bathroom or to get mm-hmm. some food. Um, I would never, you know, say I'll take the morning shift, you take the afternoon shift, because people want to see you. They want you to sign the book. Of course. What about you, Victor? Is that ever an issue with um, as a publisher? Yeah, I mean, as often as not, actually don't have help more than I do have help. So luckily, 
when you're doing a conference, there'll be peak periods and there'll be absolutely dead periods when the attendees are, you know, at like mandatory sessions and so on. So you can take advantage of, you sort of plan your day around uh, when you know the peak crowd flows are going to be. Uh, the other option is if it's like a craft show, there'll be, if you ask show management, there'll be one or two volunteers who will be booth sitters for you, who at least, you know, make sure that your merchandise doesn't sprout legs and walk away while you're gone taking care of what you need to do. Although, even if it's an all-day conference where people are around continuously, there just aren't any breaks, you know, you're going to wolf your lunch down in five minutes so you can be there to uh, to take care of people who who, who were planning their lunch around around visiting uh, the booths. Uh, and, and frankly, there have been a couple of cases where, you know, I'm the only person there. I take my computer, I take the cash box, I head to the bathroom, and then I come back and it's back in business. And uh, So sometimes a neighboring booth person will sort of watch over you while you're you're gone just to, to do basic security. I, yeah, I, I, would, I, I would add to that, too, when Victor mentioned food. I always bring my lunch with me. We make sandwiches or, or something like that because you never know if there's going to be enough food for everybody at the show and you don't know what they're going to have and it's usually going to be something sloppy like hot dogs or hamburgers and you're going to get ketchup and mustard all over yourself and you just you want nice neat food that you can quickly swallow and not make a mess out of and you don't need to leave your booth to go and get it um, the only reason I usually ever leave is, is to go to the bathroom and as long as I don't drink a lot of coffee in the morning before I go, I usually can limit that to one or two trips. Yeah, yeah those are some good points. So what I want to do now is ask each one of you what show just absolutely does not and did not work for you. You've experienced it, and you'll never do it again. Victor? Oh, that's an easy one for me. Anything that has book fair in the name of it is a kiss of death. Uh, I just find that people Why? people that go to book fairs are going there to be entertained and uh, maybe listen to one of the keynote speakers, and they're not interested in anyone who's not on the program. I don't know why it should be that way, but they're just they they won't buy. They won't buy. I've had that same experience, Tyler. What is it that you've had an experience with that you'll never do again? What type of a fair or, or uh, exhibit? You know, I'm not sure that any specific one is coming to mind, but I do think that events that are geared towards books solely are less successful than going to something like a craft show because it, there's more variety, there are more people that come, and they are more willing to um, look around and spend their money on a variety of items. And I've, I, even when I've done, like, multiple author signings that are specifically for books, I've, I find that a lot less people show up than, you know, if they're out there to buy baked goods and pottery and, and the books are there, they're usually, I, I hear over and over, wow, I can't believe there's so many authors here and those people just really seem to be excited to see the books. And you have less books to compete with. And so, in all fairness now, I'm going to go the opposite way. Victor, which type of an exhibit or a fair or no you wouldn't go to fairs what what do you do always repeat over and over again because it's successful for you I, I built a really good relationship with the uh, 
National Association of Social Workers here in Michigan, and and uh, you know I'm on a first name basis with the uh, the the show manager there, and and they have a they have a good crowd, especially because uh, social workers are required to complete a certain amount of continuing education, and and their their particular conference gives them you know a year's worth of continuing education in in three days, so they have a very high turnout. Uh, there aren't many other exhibitors. Most of them are just information only booths. I'm the only bookstore there when I go there. And, uh, you know, social workers will think nothing of, you know, picking up two or three books. And I always, always, my, my best secret is have a buy three, get one free offer. You know, because they pick up one book and then they pick up another one and then they see that sign and they go, boy, if I get a third, then the fourth is free. You got to have more than one title to get away with something like that. But any any kind of a special like that is a good idea. That's a, that's really good. That, that's a good one, uh, Tyler. What uh, what is it that you keep repeating because it works? I would say anything that is billed as a holiday show, mm-hmm. anything between Thanksgiving and Christmas. I mean, if I can go to a show every weekend, I'm willing to do it because I always sell lots of books at, at, at the holidays. And I, I've never done a, you know, buy two, get one free thing like Victor, but my uh, my trilogy, I always mark that down so that they get a discount of, uh, I think it comes like 10 or 12% off if they buy all three of the books. And a lot of people will. I have, um, I always have people ask me, especially at the holidays because people are not always willing to spend money on themselves, but they're willing to buy things for other people. And lots of people will come up and say, oh, I need to, I'm going to buy this for my dad, I'm going to buy it for my uncle. Or they don't know if if the person they're looking to buy for already has one of my books. And then I always have brochures that I give to them that tells them where my books are for sale in the area. And so that, that usually helps, but a lot of times they'll buy them right for me so they can get them signed and so they can get the discount if they buy the whole set. So in closing, I'd like to give the opportunity for each one of you to just sort of wind this up and maybe say something to our listening audience that we haven't covered yet, something that you would like to pass on, some, you know, whatever's on your mind. Victor, what, um, is there anything that you have to say to the listening audience that we haven't covered? Well, it's easy to get focused on the bottom line, and anytime you're renting a booth, you know, your key concern is, is am I going to get my money back? Because your booth may be anywhere between $50 and $750, depending on, you know, where you're doing it and, and what conference. But really, it's the, the magic comes with the relationships that you create. And you may meet someone there who who runs a bookstore, and then they decide to carry your book. There's all kinds of opportunities for networking so ask people like what what they're interested in and things like that and you may find opportunities i've met people there who uh publish uh published a magazine and i i gave them some free books to review in a magazine uh being a publisher people are always pitching ideas at me which i'm not real thrilled about you know Uh, but i have signed up a couple of authors at at different events so uh, also, what I'll do is if I have some spare time, I will look for uh, independent uh, bookstores which are exhibiting. 
uh, at the show, and then you know I'll give them some business cards or literature or maybe even a a book so that I can try and you know get my book into their bookstore as an outcome of the show. So we all want to cover our expenses, but uh, you know just uh, keep your your eyes open and and make sure everyone leaves with a business card. That is such a good point. Yes. And it's like, you know, never, ever leave home without a business card. Tyler? I would pretty much be along the same lines as Victor. I, I, of course, you want to make back your your uh, entrance fee and hopefully enough to make it worth your while to sit there for a day or three days, however long it is. But really, um, determining whether or not you were successful isn't just about the book sales. I, I think it really is about building the relationships, too. Uh, people come up to me, and because my books are about history and about families, they want to tell me their family stories and their connections to the area. And, you know, those are those are great stories. They give me new ideas for future books. And a lot of people come up to me, and they want to know how to publish a book. That's probably... Sometimes it seems like it's half of the people that come up to me want to know how to publish a book, and that's a great opportunity for me to to make friends since I do editing and proofreading for people. You know, I get clients that way. Uh, since I'm the president of the local authors association, I give them brochures for that, and we get new members as a result. And you you just you never know who the person is that's going to be able to make a contact for you. Like I did this one book signing and only two people showed up but the one woman that showed up was the uh, she was a member of the friends of the library in the town and she convinced the, the library book club to read my book and they wanted me to give them a tour of Marquette because of the historical places mentioned in the book so I ended up selling a whole bunch of books to the book club and they paid me to give them a walking tour of the city so I I thought that was a success, and it all resulted from just one person coming to my book signing. That's a great story, Tyler, and, uh, you know, I'm sure that when you kind of, you know, hear the fact that only two people showed up, it's like, oh, was it worth it? But of course it was, because, as you say, that key word, build a relationship, that is the bottom line, and uh, I'm so glad both of you mentioned uh, that key word, building a relationship. I want to thank both of, both of you for uh, showing up tonight and giving us just a real lowdown on conferences, fairs, art and craft shows, and giving us an insight and really some information to think about. You know, this is something we want to do as an author. And, uh, again, thanks a lot for both of you for coming. Thank you, Irene. I've enjoyed being here. Yeah, you're welcome. I really uh, like to pass on my hard-earned wisdom. And I'm glad you're both here. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back next time when our topic will be cataloging, indexing, typesetting, and more. What does it all mean? And our guest expert will be Walt Scheel. And you can learn more about our guest on Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show, so please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views and Loving Healing Press. Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying goodnight. 
For Loving Healing Press, this is Victor Wolfman wishing you all a good evening.